Hey everyone, uh, my name is Adrian Daniels, and if this is your first time listening to the Sound of a Crowd podcast, welcome. Um, this is this is the show where we chat with top Ghanaian founders, entrepreneurs, and creatives, so we can explore meaningful takeaways that you can apply to life, business, and your professional career. Um, just before I continue, just want to let you know that today's show notes you can head over to the Sound of a Crowd dot com forward slash one thousand voices that's one zero 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 voices all in one word the sound of a crowd dot com forward slash thousand voices for all of today's links references and nuggets um so today i am sat with tevin kitto did i pronounce the name right bro yeah you got it right yeah Good. tevin kitto and he is the founder of thousand voices um this is a movement a community and a media platform that aims to create a more equ- equitable just and representative society for black britons so that, is, is that is that about right yeah yeah that's yeah that's correct yeah 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 how you feeling bro I'm feeling good. I'm happy. I'm I'm quite honoured actually to be so I've been invited onto the podcast in the first place. Mm. I see in your intro you're inviting the top Ghanaian creators and entrepreneurs, and I'm happy that yeah, yeah I've been considered in that category. Oh so, man, yeah, I'm humbled to hear that myself, man. But yeah, man, you're very welcome to my show. Um, you know, I do like to find guests that stand out. I mean, it's all well and good to get any guests, but it's it's hard to find guests that really stand out and trying to disrupt that, trying to pioneer something in the industry if that makes sense mm. um, but yeah Tevin you're very very much welcome to the show um, we're going to get into a thousand voices and learn more about what it is and the whole world's going to learn more about what the, the thousand voices project is um, but yeah look, look I really enjoyed coming to your show yesterday um, thank you for inviting me to your podcast um, I really like what you're working on and I really enjoy your podcast I mean you've got so many um, great people on the show and for me i just want to congratulate you before we start because you only just started a podcast what a few weeks ago a few months ago i started oh it's 2020 2022 sorry yeah i've had the idea for a long time but yeah. started in 2022 after we can get into all of that in a bit yeah, but um, yeah i think when the first episode came out i believe ooh, february or march i yeah. should know this but february or march yeah yeah that's it. It's amazing. I mean, we will get into how you got heavy hitters like Jamelia, the music artist, William Adwasi, Vita London. I mean, he just he's gone he's gone past seven figures in revenue. Um, heavy hitters like that, Lou Mensa. Um, wow, like bro, like congrats to you. I mean, to get those names on the, your first season or your first few episodes, um, you've really put, put, pulled something out of the hat that most people are not able to do. And I think it's quite important to get some some good names it's not the be all the end all but it does help to get some big names on your show to kind of help you to give you a bit of a boost you know it's like a home run moment you know when you're playing baseball and you hit a home run yeah for you know, real some everyone needs that home run moment that moment that pushes them to that next level so people can you know witness more about not even witness more but they can actually get to appreciate and see or become aware of the great things that you're doing so bro congratulations nice one thank you yeah and we're gonna dive deep into that but before we get into that um this is something on i don't usually do this on our our shows but i'm gonna do something a little bit different okay okay i want you to have a look at this and i want you to tell me your thoughts so look at this this is your linkedin post Uh, right (laughs) your linkedin post right i'm gonna read out to to everyone yeah you 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 know what this is about now tevin put out a linkedin post okay he put out a LinkedIn post. Um, was it? How, how, when did this come out again? I've done the post about a month ago or so. The pictures from three years ago. From three years ago. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, he, yeah, this picture was taken. There was a picture taken three years ago. I will pull it in the, I will pull this link in the show notes. Okay. Um, but essentially the LinkedIn post goes like this. This picture was taken three years ago today. 
I was working a full-time internship, studying a full-time MSc in the evenings and relentlessly applying for work in any other free time I had. Three years and 700 plus applications later, I'm married, a homeowner, working in a great role at Bloomberg, running my podcast, Thousand Voices. And then of course he said, go and check out and leave a review. I'm going to leave a review, by the way. I was Thank meant to you. do that yesterday, but Thank I distracted, Thank man. It's, it's a crazy <laughs> world we're living, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm going to finish off. At the time, it felt like nothing was going right. I was barely getting any interviews. I can relate to that, honestly. And the ones I did have weren't getting back to me. Looking at this photo now, it's actually crazy to fathom how much life has changed since then. Would never have imagined I'd be here right now. A lot can change in a relatively small period of time. Looking at this photo is a reminder to myself more than anybody else to keep striving, to keep going, and to never give up. And then the, the post gets a whopping 3,000 167 likes 109 comments 23 shares wow bro congrats for your perseverance man thank you what was what 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 talk talk me through that period in your life like when you're on that laptop nothing's happening for you but you have this belief that okay i'm gonna keep going you know and something's gonna something's gonna pop but before you get into that it reminded Mm. me of reggie nelson is it reggie nelson or was it Reggie Nelson, I believe? Do you, do you know the guy knocking on doors? The guy knocked on Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's him, right? I think, I think that's the name, pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Reggie yeah. Nelson, another, another guy name, right? Yeah. I, I probably should get him on, actually. Yeah. Reggie Nelson, the guy that maybe you should try and get him on yourself. But For sure, yeah. Yeah, he's the guy that knocked on hundreds of doors, probably, yeah. to ask people how do they get rich or how do they make their money or millions or whatever. And then eventually he knocked his door literally to an opportunity. And that was a creative way to get, you know, an opportunity because everyone will, will go out to maybe Canary Wharf and they'll stand outside the station. Hey, I'm looking for a job. Please hire me. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, maybe they get a job, maybe they don't get a job or they just bang out applications like you did. But 700 applications, bro, I don't think many people would get to that, bro. So, yeah, congrats. So, Thank yeah, you. I mean, talk me through what was going through that period of your life, man. Yeah, that period. So, I'll start off with a quote that I love that really resonated with me after I posted that picture on um, online. Yeah. Which is, I can't remember who said it, maybe Bill Gates or someone else, but the quote is, most people overestimate what they're going to do in one year and underestimate what they can achieve in 10 years. Mm. Admittedly, obviously, that wasn't 10 years. That was over a three-year period. Yeah. But I think it was Bill Gates. Yeah. I just heard that quote like a few weeks ago myself. Yeah. So when I saw that picture, again, so basically my wife sent me that picture about a month ago and she was like, oh, this was from three years ago. And I was like, wow, I completely <laughs> forgot. Oh, she took it? Yeah. Well, yeah, she's the one yeah. that took it. I was, we was in... um. Where was that? We was in a coffee shop yeah. in around Bank Monument sides. Yeah. And I was sitting, I think I was having an interview or something uh-huh. online. That's where the, that's, and she took that picture whilst I was doing it. And those, that period of time, so I was um, working, it was a full time, it was an internship. So it wasn't, it wasn't a you know, full time job on, on an intern wage. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it wasn't enough, you know, to get me by or anything like yeah. that. But I was working a full time internship. I was studying a master's at the same time. It was an evening course. Look at uh, that, man. I just just grinding, man. Trying yeah. to trying to trying to get signs. So I yeah. was like, I was trying all sorts of different things, and yeah. I was smashing out applications yeah. over a long period of time. So mm. it's not like I was doing, you know, you can apply for jobs like LinkedIn or Indeed, or whatever. It's quick apply, quick, quick, quick apply, apply, quick apply. Yeah. I wasn't. But doing, still, bro, some people doing, yeah. get to hundred and say, oh, this, this is long. I can't be bothered. Like, it's it is it's it's yeah. long. It trust me, trust me, it, to make this happen. Trust me, it was long. <laughs> it, it was long. Yeah. I was doing. Um, I wasn't just like a bunch of quick applies. I was trying to really tailor every single application I was doing. So I was doing. If on my laptop, I still have all of my CVs, all of my cover letters, for all of the jobs <laughs> I applied for, all uniquely tailored for every single job. So I was yeah. trying to do two three a day trying to do good quality applications but yeah. um it was frustrating yeah because it was over a long period of time yeah 
um, I was with my well, my then girlfriend, you know, had big plans for the future and I couldn't yeah. get onto the job ladder and where I wanted to get onto it. Yeah. Um, and it was a very, very frustrating period of time. But mm. just looking back at that picture and I completely forgot about that picture, I was like, wow, like it's, it's nuts because back then it really felt like nothing was going right and I was trying everything. I've done all these, these I've done the online applications, I've done creative yeah. things as well. I've done yeah. like, some <laughs> mad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I've done, I'll yeah. tell you a, a quick story. Go on. You know the fashion brand, you know Hermes uh, or Hermes? The, yeah, yeah, I do. They, do, yeah. they got the, those bags, the Birkin bags. Mm. Yeah. So I went, this is a little bit before this picture, actually. I went to the, I found out where their head office was in uh -huh. the UK. It was like around Marlebones or something like that. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so I walked in, I remember one day and it was so spur of the moment. I'm walking past it. Well, I knew where the, I knew where the area was, but I'm walking past, spur of the moment. I'm like, oh, right, it's around here. I checked their address. Cool. Walked into the office. I weren't dressed up. Um, I weren't wearing a suit, and I think I was wearing like some casual, very casual outfit. Walked in, and I was like, "Oh hi!" I got the name of the um, UK managing director. His name is Bertrand. So I was like, "Oh hi, uh, hi there, mid see Bertrand Mashud," and they were like, oh, "Who are you?" So I'm like, "Oh, it's just Tevin, Tevin Kitter. Tell him Tevin's downstairs. You know who it is. He, he don't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> He's never heard of you." Confidence. But like, I done that, and I think it's the way I said it. Then called the receptionist, called up, and then I'm sitting down thinking I'm going to get kicked out. Yeah. But no, then they invited me up. And then I went to talk to his PA, but he was out, he was traveling or something like that, okay. so he wasn't there. So I gave my details to the PA thinking nothing of it, yeah. thinking she's never going to call me back. She probably think, yeah. I was thinking, oh, she think, who's this joker? Like, <laughs> trying to walk in here, but no, he come back to me. Um, and I actually met up with him a couple of times afterwards. Amazing. And then uh, he offered me um, a role, actually. No way. At Hermes. Okay. And which I foolishly turned down. Because what? I know, it don't, it, it's so, it's, it don't make sense. Because yeah. I was at that period of time, I have, um, I was so, con it wasn't what I wanted to do. Essentially, I wanted to get into consultancy. Yeah. And I was just so confident, even though things weren't necessarily working the way they want, I wanted them to work. I was yeah. so confident I'd be able to get where I wanted to get to. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really want to, you know, sell myself short or go into something I didn't want to get into. Uh, and I, I kind of just done it just to, I don't know, just to try, just to say I, I, I can do it. <laughs> so, yeah, it yeah. was wow. yeah mad period Have of time. you worked in sales before? Or any kind of uh, anything like that. I'm working in sales now, okay. and it's my first job in sales. Okay, but before you had no kind of sales experience. Nah, because what you just did reminds me of a, of a cold court, right? You're 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 basically put, obviously you're acting as if you know the guy. You're talking as if you already know the guy. Because yeah, yeah. when you do a cold <laughs> call, it's important to make it as warm as possible, so that mm. or establish some rapport, you know, so that you can at least get through the door. Because when you're saying hi, my name is um, Tevin. Um, I'm here to see X, Y, Z. Um, yeah, just let them know I'm here. Basically, that <laughs> yeah. that is basically uh, you know saying that you already know the person, right? And bro, like it sounds like you've been in sales before, but bro, like I I rate your creativity because not many people will come up with something like that, and to have the confidence. Uh, oh, thank you, amazing! Thank it you. just shows how much like you wanted an opportunity, and you know you you got that opportunity, you turned it down, but. Again, you, you said it wasn't what you wanted and what you wanted to get into um, back then. Is it the path that you're on now? And what plans, big plans you have back then? Are they kind of like leading towards what, you, what you're doing right now? So I've got, okay. So in terms of the plans I've had, all right. So in everything I've done, what I've learned in my life is that I'm not very, very motivated by the money exactly. And... I've learned that just through trial and error. Yeah. I've tried a bunch of different things. I've tried running 
random schemes and businesses here and there and I just can't motivate myself to do it. I've tried um, different roles and things like that and it's just not for me. I'm very much motivated by the bigger picture. Mm. Um, very much motivated by my own ideals. I'm driven by my ideals and mm. what I want to do and what I want to achieve. Mm. Um, so with at that period of time, so before all of that, so I've got a bit of a you know a varied background, but before all of that, so I was running a business called Mr. Kitto. Yeah, um, let's, let's get into that because yeah. that's on the agenda. So let's, yeah. let's get into your previous businesses that you were working on before you got to 1,000 Voices. And it, it makes sense because 1,000 Voices, it, you, you're more about making an impact. And of course, there will be probably a business model at some point to go around it, but clearly you, you're on a mission to, to make an impact. But continue, Mr. Kitter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, of course, I've turned into a business and did it full time and make something of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just learned money isn't my only motivator. Motivation. Um, mm-hmm. It's a snippet, a tiny snippet of what motivates me to do yeah. what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mr. Kitto done that, started that in 2014, co-founded it with my two brothers. And the idea we was to, in, not to interview, just a thousand voices, <laughs> with Mr. Kitto, the idea was to um, work with, it was an online e-tailer selling ethically made men's fashion from independent designers. So we built that up. We had, um, before we closed it, we had 10 designers, five from the UK, five internationally. So from like Russia, India, Spain, Tanzania. And the last one eludes me right now. Um, <laughs> but we had 10 altogether, um, different designers. Now with that, so at that period of time, I was quite entrenched in the, the fashion world. And then I'm learning a lot about some of the, the mad stuff mm. that's happened in the industry. Yeah. And this was around a period of time where there was, I'm not too long after, there was the, maybe a year or so after actually, where there was a Rana Plaza um, factory collapse. So I was in Bangladesh and I think over, I might be getting the number slightly wrong, but it's definitely over a thousand people passed away. Whoa. I think over a thousand one hundred even passed away. Because of the unethical um, factory? Because the factory collapsed and the factory, oh. just, it's just not, it, it, it was it was derelict basically it's not not you know it's not like got proper working conditions wow. or anything like that um a lot of major retailers were using it primark primark was who got, got the most stick for it but quite a few major retailers because they all use the same sort of factories yeah and um, we're using that so i'm learning about that um and learned about a lot of things from an african context as well um because that's where uh, a lot of my my heart lies as well learn about the toxins and everything that was really like destroying habitats, destroying rivers, destroying, mm. you know, food chains, etc. cetera. Okay. Um, learn about the crazy CO2 emissions and, and the way that's very, um, very much negatively impacting the third world. Or I don't like the third world term too much, but I just use it as a catch-all term mm-hmm. um, so people know what I'm talking about. But how it's affecting um, third world countries and particularly Africa as well. Mm. So even Mr. Kitto, the idea was to set out to change all of that. Mm. We wanted to okay. work with independent designers, first of all, because a few reasons. First of all, like you're going to have quite cool, unique designs. It's not going to be the same as everything you've seen, same as Top Man, Primark, yeah. et cetera. Make it a bit different. Very true. Um, to give those designers who are trying to break into the industry you know, a bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, to pioneer ethically made fashion at a time where, particularly for menswear, it wasn't really being... It, it was, there were some discussions around it, but it wasn't really being pushed in the way that it's being pushed now. Yeah. So we went into it with a big vision. It wasn't like we're just starting this up and we're running a nice little retailer. We was coming in to disrupt the industry. Disrupt the industry. That's what we was, we was thinking big. Yeah. I, I stopped shopping at ASOS at the time. I was yeah. like, I mean, they're you... my competitors. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, um, yeah, it was like big dreams, big plans. And the idea is we, what we wanted to do was to start up um, a manufacturing line and bring that back over to Africa yeah. to provide some jobs, but in an ethically, in an ethical manner. Um, yeah. 
and that was the idea behind it. Was yeah. to wow, that's it's beautiful. I mean, when you look at so many brands, products, services out there, I mean, do you do have quite a number of them that try to use the whole ethically sourced thing as a unique selling point as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, um, I think even ones like um, what do you call it? Is it is it Blue Skies, for example? I think they have an ethically sourced thing to them you know, mm. back in Ghana and Africa. And of course, they sell all over the world and they make millions and millions and they look after their staff, really look after their staff. Yeah. You know, it's a shout out to the team there. Um, and what you, what, you, what you did was incredible. Like you wanted to, you know, not also not only give you know up and coming people a platform but also you wanted to kind of like tackle problems at the same time like kind of like mm. a double-edged sword as well yeah and yeah. you know again i mean that's why i admire you having people like william Duarte in the show because again he was trying to make money through his product but at the same time trying to tackle and make a positive impact you know by you know um you know maybe um supplying school uniform and helping p- and kids in sub-saharan africa with schooling and school fees and uniform and stuff like that you know so i had an ethical you know um thing to it and usually that draws attention you know to people when you're different in that sense man so mm. okay yeah so i mean how long did that go for and why did you stop running it uh went for 21 months in total so just under two years okay. and stopped running it simply because uh it was th- the margins were so thin wow so when we started it we started it with not much money at all but yeah. none of our working jobs like that okay didn't so you bootstrapped, so bootstrapped very much bootstrapped we were you know the you familiar with the drop shipping model yeah so we were drop shipping before we knew what drop shipping was. It mm-hmm. just we thought, how could we do it? Yeah. Oh, we'll we'll have the, the stuff here, and then when we sell it, then the order go to them. They send it off, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but the margins are so thin. Like, like you say, you're sending a twenty pound t shirt. You're taking fifteen percent cut. Yeah. You still have to pay shipping and everything like that. It, it becomes, you know. And also was having some issues with mm-hmm. the fact that I think because some of these were independent designers, some of them are mm-hmm. university students, and you send them an order. They'll take two weeks to send it off. We've had times where okay. they will lose an order or and they won't tell me they haven't sent it. And it was just a lot of issues like that. Okay. And just thinking that it'd be much easier if we bought it in house. Okay. But I didn't have that capital to just buy everything wholesale. Got you. Got it was you. becoming a bit too much at the time. So Yeah. 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 It makes sense, makes sense. Because you're having to deal with people that um you have you're having to deal with, with various people who who are on with people who have various levels of motivation. So a student, mm. maybe their, their mind is more on, you know, university and whatever. Or maybe someone that's not a student that's that's working full time, their, their motivation is, oh, I need to make as much money as possible. So I need to be as responsive and as quick as possible. Yeah. As quick as possible, sorry. You know, a speed of implementation is something that I, I always hear in business. Like speed is everything, you know, it's, 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 it's not the big that eat the slow. Mm. It's, it's not the big that eat the small, it's the fast that eats the slow. And that's the term that I hear over and over again. Um, but I've, I guess for you, the most important thing here was a learning experience from um, from that. I'm sure there were skills um, of skills which are useful in entrepreneurship that you were able to, to take into um, your next venture. And before we kind of move into what you did next, um, was this, this was this an online marketplace? Yeah, essentially. essentially yeah. Okay, it's so like an e-commerce. And um, yeah. and explain explain to the audience what dropshipping is. I know what dropshipping is, but explain to them what dropshipping is for those that are interested in getting into e-commerce. So dropshipping is a it's a very low cost way to get into e-commerce. It's essentially you having the online shell or the marketplace, mm-hmm. um, working with other uh, suppliers, designers, or whatever industry you're in, and then showcasing their products on your website. When an order comes through, you send the order through to them through whatever system you're using, and they will send the order off to the customer. Um, usually, you can put in place some kind of agreements where it'll maybe be in your own branded packaging, so they don't know it's coming from 
mm. them directly and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then you just take a commission from that um, mm. and you work with them to decide what that commission is going to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it's a great model and very, very popular model. See lots of people on YouTube and, you know, all these different uh, places, you know, they're trying to, you know, get people into dropshipping and you know, very, very popular model and sometimes it can be effective. But the thing with e-commerce is, again, sometimes it can be low margins or hardly any margin at all because yeah. there's so many moving parts. There's so many moving parts. I remember we had a conversation where I used to work in an e-commerce agency. But yeah, let's, 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 let's keep this going. I'm really enjoying the conversation. So um, after you after you, you you were done with Mr. Mr. Kitter, um, what what was the what was the next thing? What was the next step for you from there? So from there, so at that period of time, so I'm very much someone that when I put my mind to something, I jump in two feet. I don't <laughs> I don't take tread you no know, tiptoe towards it. Yeah. So at that period of time, so I um, was studying an undergrad in fashion business at um, the London College of Fashion. So mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure I went to like one of the best universities for fashion. I wanted to get around, in, I really wanted to get into the industry and meet people and that kind of thing. Uh, so I was running Mr. Kitto at the same time I was studying the undergrad of fashion business. Uh, so after I finished Mr. Kitto, I just had to finish my degree yeah. <laughs> whilst I was there. You finished your degree and then when you finished the degree, what, what, what did you go into? Like? So from there I went, uh, I was working in merchandise and fashion mm-hmm. merchandise, but just for one year. Okay. Um, and that one I just sort of fell into just because it was what my skill set sort of lent lent itself to not because i wanted to stay in it for a long time Mm -hmm. and like i said earlier i'm very much driven by my ideals and everything like that if i was working maybe for a retailer or whatever that had much bigger social humanitarian goals maybe i would have been a bit more content but it was Mm -hmm. just a just a for-profit for-profit business basically end of the day okay um it didn't drive me it's not that i wasn't i I knew i wasn't going to stay there for long okay so it was just a little bit of being able to use the degree a little bit but also just you know make some money in the meantime while you're thinking about the next the next step yeah 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 but i I sort of knew what next step was going to be okay so when i got into it i knew that i wanted to pivot um by then i wanted to pivot out of um out of fashion into more professional services so i knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wasn't 100% sure how I was going to do it <laughs> yeah. at that period of time. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, I was working there for one year, um, merchandising. And then not long after I started, I um, decided I wanted to go back to university and do a master's because I was finding it quite difficult. I was trying to get into consultancy, actually, but more from a fashion angle fashion from angle. there. So I was okay. talking to all the, reaching out to loads of consultancy firms saying, yeah, I've got the background here, blah, blah, blah. We can do some. Um, can I come and join as a consultant, basically, you know, or even retail or consumer goods in general, whatever. But I had the background in it. Mm-hmm. I've studied at one of the world leading universities for fashion, mm. uh, met a lot of people and ran a business in that area and now working in merchandising. So I've got okay. these different experiences, but it wasn't Makes really sense. wasn't really working. Okay. Uh, it wasn't really um, responding well. Nah, not really. So I decided. It's, it's, is it how competitive is it? Uh, I mean, to get into, I mean, and I guess the fashion world in general is competitive, but I guess mm. maybe maybe it depends what you what you're going, what area you're getting into. Was consultancy mm. quite competitive? Yeah, 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 yeah. Consultancy <laughs> is very competitive. I feel like just the market, the job market in general, was very competitive. Maybe back then, maybe it's just what I was looking for. But then professional services, consultancy, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> tough to get into. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, so it's interesting. So you didn't completely step away from fashion when once you moved away from the, the merchandising job. What was the next step after that? So that's when I went to university and done my masters. Must, um, yeah. I was at, um, doing an evening course basically because mm-hmm. I wanted to work at the same time to try and get some experience. So 
set me in better stead to transition properly afterwards. Yeah. So I was um, interning actually as a well consultant. The official job title was an international trade advisor. Nice. Uh, but it's essentially consultancy, consulting companies on how to increase their exports and that. And this is all in light of Brexit and everything as well. So, so, you, so you ended up kind of getting a consultant role. In the kind end. of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. And in inter- well, an internship, it yeah. was indefinite. I was there for quite, they kept on extending my contract. So nice. I was there for a while yeah. um, as an intern. Yeah. So yeah, kind of getting into consultancy. Okay. Um, international trade advisory uh, but at the same time you know th- they weren't offering me something full time and I was okay. really keeping my eye open and yeah. applying uh, a lot <laughs> so is so that, that's that how you got to the whole 700 applications yeah bit where okay so you, you finally got to this position where you were so kind of ish fashion consultant but of course it wasn't quite the role and maybe quite the compensation or benefits etc that you were seeking after and then you're off applying for roles. Now, the roles you're applying for were they mainly the fashion type consultancy roles, um, or, or did you, or, or did they get to a point where you're like, look, I just want to get out of here and just get a, a good job and just maybe pivot to something else? It, it definitely got to that point. Yeah, <laughs> towards yeah. the end of the seven. Is that where Thousand Voices came in? Thousand Voices came in. I don't know exactly when. Okay, but I've had the idea for a while. If okay. I keep it real, so even before the fashion, even during the time when you were, know, maybe not during not during Mr. Kitto, because that okay. was I ended Mr. Kitto in 2016. Okay, and Fazer Voices was well, but started in 2022 okay. officially. I've had I don't know exactly when, but I've had the idea. It's evolved over time in my head, not mm-hmm. necessarily physically, but in my head, I was thinking first of all, uh, we're going to write a book. Talking yeah. to, we're featuring, in, um, well, I said interesting, interesting <laughs> Black Britons at first. And then it just evolved. And I thought, no, okay. maybe um, this will be a better media form. Then this will be a better media form. And then that's, but it evolved over time. But without, to be honest, not much action on my end. I did little steps here and there. I'll talk to this person. I'll talk to that person. But then I kept on making excuses and uh, not necessarily executing on it. Um, okay. Yeah, for for a little while, I'd say. Okay. Okay, I mean, let's let's go there. Actually, let's let's talk about the early the early um, the early conception of Thousand Voices. So, um, when what was the at what point did you decide to kind of maybe because you said anything that you do, you put your two feet into it. At what point did you decide to dive deep into Thousand Voices? And you may, maybe you got the, the job on the side, but at what point did you decide? Look, I'm going to step away from the fashion and I'm going to focus on Thousand Voices. Yeah, so. <clears throat> the fashion I stepped away from it at first temporarily because mm-hmm. I still do like the industry yeah um, I think there's a, a even to even to, to this day to this day yeah I okay. think there's a there's a there's a I use a strong word but like a, there's a, <laughs> a dark undertone to it because you don't see all of that yeah and I still sound I believe strongly in mm. um I, I like I like creativity and I love I love expressions of creativity and that's what I see fashion as as well yeah uh so there's that, and I put it away temporarily. Maybe in the future, to be honest, I might go back into it. Now I'm not 100% sure. Um, with Thousand Voices, starting that, so like I said, I had the idea for a while, <clears throat> and I just kept on making excuses, saying, oh, I want to make sure we get a studio first. I want to make sure we do this. I want to make sure we do that, and making excuses along the way, which for me, I felt um, I wanted it to look and be of a mm. certain quality mm-hmm. before I started it. Yeah, But... And I was putting off, and I think for me, the, the thing that really kicked me into motion was it's something simple. And I think there's a lot of power in learning and realizing stuff about yourself. And I just realized something about myself in the December, and then we started in February. So two months. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was reading a book in December 2021. Okay. And I can't remember the book. Oh my gosh, I can't remember the book. But okay. um, 
basically in the book, yeah, the, mm -hmm. um, the author was talking about perfectionism and where perfectionism comes from. And I was talking about essentially what comes from a fear of failure yeah. and then boils out to childhood. I was really breaking it down. And I was yeah. like, rah. Like, really, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this guy sounds like he's talking about me with all yeah. of this. Like, it's, it's hitting me proper. And I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, like, this is me. No, yeah. I, I can't let this stop me. <laughs> so, so, so basically, you are, you, but you wanted things to be perfect so much because you're you're scared of failing or scared of things not going the way you want it to go right at right at the beginning. I think deep down, yeah, deep down, mm. and that, it took me a while to realize that because, and I've always been a perfectionist, mm. and I think I know where that comes from now, but at the time I didn't know that. I was just thinking I want it to be perfect. I don't want to put out a rubbish product or whatever. Uh, even though you look at a lot of these big companies and their first products are, you know, you look at Twitter, Google, etc. There's nothing yeah. compared to what they are now. But mm. I didn't want to do that. I wanted yeah. to make sure it's perfect right yeah. in the get go. And yeah, yeah just learn yeah. that yeah. where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, it sounded like you kind of learn more about business. So I think so, you know, usually when it comes to startups or any kind of startup, maybe just a tech startup, usually everyone comes up with a first version of their product and then they iterate and then it continues to improve each time they launch, you know, each time they launch or each time they, well, yeah, each time they launch essentially. Um, so maybe you had that realization that, okay, cool. Look, let me just start where I am and then things just gonna evolve and improve, you know, day by day, month by month, year by year, whatever it is. Um, so I think for you, maybe that's what it was, you know? I mean, I don't know if you heard about the, the Lean Startup Fury by yeah, Eric Ries. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like that. You just launch, you know, you launch, you iterate, get feedback, and then you go back to the drawing board, go back to the drawing board, tweak, launch, iterate, listen to the customer feedback take that into your um, product, your service, and then repeat that cycle over and over again. So it sounded like you probably had that epiphany. Ah, cool, let me just get started and I can worry about being perfect later. You understand? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. <laughs> you had that epiphany. Maybe that's what it was. So yeah. that I, I think that's probably a, a turning point in terms of like, you, like your career and your entrepreneurship journey that, ah, cool, I just need to get started and I can worry about being perfect later. Yeah, yeah, incredible, yeah. man, incredible. Yeah, so let's. So, so, were you scared of? So, you applying for all of those jobs, you um, pushing the businesses as far as you could. But were you were you scared of failing? Were you were you scared of of, of of things may not going perfect or things not working out? Was that what drove you to continue to apply to continue to try and make things work? Mm, that's a good question. Mm, very reflective. I think what drove me then, I don't know if it was a with the job applications, I don't know if it was a fear of failure exactly. Yeah, I think it was some of my short-term goals and what I wanted to do. Uh, I've, with me, I've always, I've always felt deep down that no matter where I am right now, long-term, I'm going to be okay. I've had this conversation with my wife so many times. Like when we were first getting together and then mm -hmm. you know working an internship and maybe she wasn't working for a little while and everything like that. And then mm -hmm. there's a lot of things we want to do we couldn't do. And I would just say to her, you know, like, you know, where we are now, it's tough now, but trust me, I've always been 100% confident in my future. Yeah. Um, I've never had a worry about that. But then in the short to medium term, there are things, you know, you want and you want to achieve. Yeah. Um, so that definitely drove me. I think she drove me a lot, if I keep it real as well. Yeah. Pushed me a hell of a lot. Okay. Um, helped me a lot with, um, in that period of time. Okay. So her physically pushing me and me just wanting to try and do something, um, because I've pushed me a lot. Mm. Uh, and uh, I feel I felt that 
even though it was taking a long time and it's frustrating, it took a long time. So 700, 700 applications. And I have to double check. I've got an Excel sheet at home that I was updating. Whoa. Yeah, with everything. I didn't even track. I just applied, applied, applied. Because uh, I was tracking and then yeah. I'd follow people up. If you know, after yeah. a little while, so I, I kept it tracked. Yeah. Um, so I had to check exactly when I started, but probably over like 10, 11 months or something like that. It, yeah. was, it was a hefty period of time I was doing it for okay. um, before I got offered my role now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I just wanted to, I, I, I always felt that it was going to work out at some stage anyways. So that kind of drove me as well to keep going. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, settling for something else was never really an option because of all of those things, because of where I've been influenced, because my short to medium term goals and me just believing that okay. eventually something is going to happen. Okay. So you so you having this belief was one motivation that was driving you. Your wife was another motivation and the vision that you had was another motivation as well. Very powerful. Did you have anything um tangible, anything physical that that was maybe like a vision board there anything that you continue to look to to continue to help you to drive you on to your nah, goals no nah. and you know I, I, funny because i've always talking about i need to make a vision board i don't have a vision board yeah uh what i tangibly have is it's simple but I, I just like reading books and i think that definitely spurs me on mm. uh one book that i've read the most in my life is Richard Branson's um, biography, Losing My Virginity. Yeah. I think I've read it five or six times. Well, I haven't finished it. It's been at home. I've had it for years. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's made me feel bad now. I, need I've, to I've, finish. I think when I finish it, I'll let you know. Yeah, it's proper good. Yeah. It's, pro- it's proper good. I love a rags to riches story. Yeah. And that's like a typical rags to riches story. Yeah. And that's this one example by reading all of these different examples and of people who have overcome all sorts of adversities and everything like that. Uh, definitely stays in my subconscious and that spurs me on as well it's like yo if they can do it technically speaking where there's nothing different between the two of us it's just they don't give up it's temporary any kind of setback is just a temporary setback it's never mm. per- it's only permanent if you allow it to be permanent yeah uh, so as tough as it is yeah um, yeah just keep going I'm, and it sounds so simple and elementary but that's that's what worked for me and obviously I've got you know, the support network around me as well, which mm. not everybody's privileged enough to have. True. Um, you, you, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised the yeah. lack of support and lack of network people have in their lives. You really will be surprised. Yeah, yeah. So that, having that support network for sure definitely um, definitely helped me as well. Absolutely. Inc- incredible. So, I mean, it's, it's great to hear um, that, you know, you didn't look at all of your past um, projects as failures, but rather as learning experiences that have driven you on or have been a stepping stone to your next to your next project and you know i think it's a great segue to talk about thousand voices um so of course everything has led up to that moment so thousand voices talk me through the motivation behind the motivation behind launching thousand voices yeah yeah cool great so um for everybody listening if you don't know what a thousand voices is so it's a podcast uh, where we're on a mission to interview 1,000 inspirational Black Britons. Mm. The motivation behind it, oh my gosh, there's so many different stories and things I can point towards. I'll yeah. give you one quick, simple example. Go for it. And it's not even my story. It's my <laughs> my brother's story. Okay. So he, he we <laughs> grew yeah. up in um, East London, okay. Leytonstone. And then one time came into school, they went on a trip to Cornwall. When they got there, and they, was, they went to some other school in Cornwall or whatever. And uh, all the boys in the other school in Cornwall were scared of my brother and his friends. And later on, they came out and said, oh, it was because we thought you guys were going to be in a gang or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, my question when you hear that is like, where, why would you think that? Where do you get that kind of thinking from? What are you consuming? What are you listening to? What are you reading, seeing? That's making you think that every black person 
you see is part of a gang. Yeah. Bearing in mind, they've never ever seen a black person their whole life as well. Yeah, it was their first time. Wow. So that's not, that's nuts. Now that's that that's that particular story. Uh, I think very generally speaking, that media is overly negative. Anyways, like I was talking about it quite recently, I was like, it's too negative. And when it comes to black people, I think the perceptions are way too negative in the media. That story, that Cornwall story, which is one example of how mm-hmm. people's thinking has been skewed by whatever they've taken in. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, everyone comes in a world of blank campus, a black, blank canvas, campus, I believe. Yeah. I like you look, yeah, you look at children, they don't care. They're just happy. They'll be playing with you no matter what you look like. <laughs> and then whatever happens over the years, people develop some kind of prejudices or think, you know, um, thoughts and feelings or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, based on whether inputs, environmental inputs, media inputs, whatever. Um, so I think that those perceptions are way too negative. And, you know, we set out to challenge those kind of things, um, challenge those perceptions. If you look at like where I grew up, you know, you go to school, you got all the boys in the year, blah, blah, blah. And then you go through the years and some, some guys get kicked out of school mm-hmm. and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You talk to them, you see them around the area, you talk to them. Oh, I'm, what are you doing? I'll say, oh, I'm going to college. I'm going to uni, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. What about you? Oh, I'm like out here doing whatever. Mm-hmm. Why, I ask them, why don't you go to, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Then it's always like, with certain people anyway, it's like, um, there's a movie called In Too Deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know the movie? I it's, don't think I know it. No. Well, just by the title, it's a good film. I check it out. <laughs> just by the title, it's like when you're what in. show notes? <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you're in too deep. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's really difficult to see out of mm. the situation you're in you talk to people and they're like i'm like why don't you do this why don't you do that oh but how just go just go and apply it oh but i can't i, I can't or maybe they've got records or whatever and it's like you can't literally cannot see out of the situation you're in mm-hmm. so you've got all of these experiences in a personal level i've had old oh, i've had I don't know, all sorts of racial slurs thrown at me or whatever Sorry to hear that. um yeah. yeah it's it's you know it's happened when i've been outside london anyway it's never mm-hmm. really in London, I guess it's more multicultural and all that kind of thing. But you've got these these different inputs, these experiences of myself, of my peers around me, or my family around me, uh, that have led to me to to start it. I felt that you know we we need to do something to challenge first of all these negative stereotypes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people out here who are doing very good positive things, but they don't get the they don't have the platform that they should have. Their voices aren't being amplified, mm-hmm. and they're doing really cool stuff. Like mm-hmm. some really cool like down-to-earth community people who are doing amazing work in their communities. Yeah. Then you've got some who maybe a bit more known who are doing stuff, but again, they're not being amplified. Their positive stories are not being amplified and showcased as much as they should be. Yeah. So we wanted to do that, um, to, you know, put these voices out there to, first of all, you know, to inspire people, um, you know, other black Britons or whoever. Listen, yeah. you get inspired by the stories. You look at someone that looks like you, sounds like you, maybe come from the same sort of background as yeah. you. But they're out here doing, you know, whatever they're doing, they've managed to overcome, however. So one, to inspire, two, to educate. Mm -hmm. To people, I feel that a lot of these um, prejudices or thoughts and feelings or whatever, um, you know, we we just got to show people that, you know, (laughs) we're we're out here and there's a lot of good people doing good stuff. So Amazing. Yeah, that was the the thinking behind it. So um, Mm -hmm. really just to challenge these negative stereotypes and to amplify these positive voices. Mm, yeah, very amazing. Like, it's a very powerful. Like, um, I think that your mission is similar to mine. I mean, but the only difference is maybe I'm more kind of like biased to, to Ghanaians. But at the end of the day, it's the same mission. Like, there's so many people out there, whether they're under underrepresented or they're not as 
you know people aren't aware of them as much is like there's so much excellence out there it, it, people need to hear about it the world needs to see it etc and sometimes mm. they don't get the platform that they deserve or the, the platform that they need and people like yourself you know comes along and they want to give them that platform and you know you never know what what doors can open just from from you doing what you're doing and again like i said before and i would say it again it's a very amicable it's a very not amicable it's a very admirable um, thing that you're doing. Oh, thank you. you. know, just giving thank people you. that platform because we need it. I mean, you know, what have black people gone through so much over the years, whether it's racism, you know, George Floyd incidents, um, you know, you can name it, right? There's so many incidents mm. we can go on, you know, we can go on and say, you know, um, yeah, I mean, you've gone through stuff yourself, you know, and, you know, you're, and you're here to, to, you know, to, to put out a message saying, hey, no, look, we black people, you know, we we too can be great. We too can create excellent stuff. You know, look at Virgil Abloh that went, you know, mm. up, you know rest in peace to him. Yeah. I mean, he's a fashion person like you. And, you know, he showed the fashion world what what he what black people can do. And there's so many black people now up and coming showing the excellence that they can do in their own in their own space. Venus or Serena, one of them just retired, right? Yeah. And that's what's yeah. I can't remember which one, but Serena. I think Serena, yeah. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. Well, you look mm. at that. They've shown the world what black people can do in a tennis space yeah. and you're showing the world what black people can do in every type of space a thousand voices wow i mean how long do you think it's going to take you to get to a thousand voices well <laughs> <laughs> have you calculated on the maths kind of yeah <laughs> rough maths yeah uh, initially i was doing it as a weekly show okay and i calculated it'll take me around 10 years wow. to get through a thousand it's like me going to space right it's gonna take me, about 10, years, <laughs> take me 10 years to get to mars right so, <laughs> so yeah by the time we're on mars that's when the thousand will be up but yeah. <laughs> uh it might take a little bit longer than that now i'm not okay. because now we've decided to do it in seasons yeah uh so yeah i don't know <laughs> bro it's great at the end of the day this is something that i've learned this is something that i do share with people at the same time like focus more on the journey not the destination like you're gonna probably get to the destination but enjoy more about more the journey and before you know it, you will arrive at your destination it's like being in the car right um mm. you're in the car and you want to get you know are we there yet are we there yet? are we there yet? no you know mm. just no we're not there yet. just just sit down relax just chill and before you know it once you start to enjoy the journey you're at the destination it's incredible mm. it's incredible but yeah i mean look, talk about some of the in interesting voices you've had in the show Oh yeah, man. Oh, wow. We've done so. The first season's wrapped up. Mm -hmm. um, by the time this comes, out, I'm not too sure if the second season would have started yet. Second okay. season started on um, 6th of September. Um, after summer, catching after summer. <laughs> <laughs> so with the first one, oh, man, we've had everyone's been interesting. Like everyone we've brought on, I've brought on because I found them interesting. Basically, you yeah. know, um, we've had to, uh, you know, sort of tell some people maybe not right now, mm -hmm. sort of thing. But mm -hmm. everyone, I'm trying to make it as diverse as possible. So have people from very different backgrounds not only from london you know yeah of course yeah. black people all over the uk Although, just the, so just working because it's thousand voices i think it's important to point out that it's thousand voices uk isn't it it's not, yeah yeah it's not thousand voices usa or the whole world it's yeah just to UK, the uk uk so that's great because it gives you something to focus because i think if you focus on the whole world i think you may be a bit too overwhelmed yeah so it's good that you've kind of like put a, a, a barrier there we want boundary yeah. there if you will wanted, wanted to focus on the uk because i felt like there's already a lot of emphasis i feel like a lot of our, our eyes are on the american experience already um there's already a lot of work happening in the u.s space and wanted to do something to highlight more black british voices as well mm -hmm. so just to make a bit more target it's more tailored because if you're from the uk and you're listening to it then it's yeah. maybe a bit more personal if you're listening to someone that 
you know, it's maybe from the same town as you or whatever. So yeah. I think it's more personal. And I love that because someone could relate to like that voice could relate to a specific person, and then they could you know be impacted by that yeah. very thing. Is it, do you have any any test any stories where someone's listened to your podcast and? And maybe they said I needed to hear that. Yeah, we get you know we get people showing us love all the time. Like, um, thankfully, which I'm I'm really whenever we see it, I'm really happy. Uh, we people message you know send us DMs now on Insta and wow. like, yeah, like we've had like some really we've had um we got some uh, what do you call them like uh, early super fans we call them wow. so uh, people messaging and talking about how how much it's helped them how much they love the project yeah um talking about some particular interviews that they really liked and some yeah. takeaways that they've taken away from the interviews and people it's all amazing. trying to point out as well is people from all different backgrounds it's not just black people that have been messaging me yeah um, I've, I've had there's a woman i was talking to on insta for quite a while a white canadian mm-hmm. and we was talking <laughs> and she was talking about how much she loves it and you touch people around the world no? yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so it's all sorts of people we've had um different people reaching out and yeah sharing love yeah amazing so you've definitely overcome fears you've overcome you know different you know well i wouldn't say faders but different experiences and you've finally got to a thousand voices and it seems like things are you know on the on the up do you feel like you're on the right path now yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. You feel I've, deep I, down in your gut feeling you're on the right path. Yeah, yeah, million percent. I feel that, uh, I feel like I found my purpose in life. Mm-hmm. When I was, so one of my interviews actually, you mentioned earlier, I asked earlier if I've had any in- interesting conversations and in every single interview I'm telling you, there's <laughs> really good takeaways from them. Yeah. But I remember this one because it, um, it relates to what I'm about to say. Okay. So I interviewed a woman called Samantha Clark and she's a happiness consultant. Okay. And she was talking about purpose and finding purpose yeah. and you know then how that can lead to hap- or that will lead to happiness etc mm-hmm. etc blah, blah, blah. and spoke about um finding pe- you find purpose through a series of trial and error you just try different things here and there um and over time you find you know what makes you angry what makes you cry what makes you happy what lights that fire inside your soul yeah and in that that's where you can start to find your purpose and i feel like i found mine Amazing. i feel that uh, with all of these issues, this definitely sang up being passionate about yeah. passionate about for a while. And again, it's come through trial and error. Yeah. I've done some youth work in the past. Yeah. Um, I've done. I've read a, a load of different material and that. And then you read. I can it. definitely tell you read that. I, def- I know when we did the podcast, I saw lots of books behind. <laughs> I know your book won't like me, huh? Yeah. They accept that. The, the only exceptions that I don't finish as many books as you do. Oh uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I heard an interesting quote that is not about the how many books you read, but is but is about what you get from that one book and you go and apply mm. it. Yeah, it can be one book. There's some books like, say, Richard Branson, I'll just keep going back to the same books. Oftentimes, and there's some books, you know, you might not even finish it. It might not relate to you at that period in time, and that's that's okay. You just find what works for you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so on the, on the purpose front, I feel that, so through the series of trial and error, and with me, that um, I've tried I've tried a load of different things in the past. I've, mm. I saw you, I've done a bit youth work in the past, and I realized, okay, this is something I, I care, I'm passionate about. I've read certain material, and when I'm reading, particularly when it comes to the black history or the or the, the black African or even the Ghana history, mm-hmm. and I'm reading about that kind of stuff. And I'm, I remember being in college uh, reading about Kwame Nkrumah. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I'm like, hey, this guy is serious. <laughs> that name was in my head, man. Yeah. Come and see my dad's um, library. He's got so many books about him. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. So you're reading about all of these things and then, uh, and then you know, you go back home and everything, yeah. you travel back to Ghana and, that, and then um, you realise over time, like, yeah. just through experience and trying things, talking to people, going to events and that kind yeah. of thing, you realise what you're passionate about. And I know definitely for sure, yeah, with um, 1000 Voices, this is something I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about making 
a change in a positive yeah. manner. I'm passionate about closing these inequality gaps that we yeah. have within the UK. There's yeah. inequality gaps um, across all different kind of metrics. We've got wealth gaps. We've got educational achievement gaps, which is now that when they talk about educational achievement, I know there's the, the white working classes down there with, I think they may be at the bottom or towards the bottom mm. um, or whatnot. But then you've got the black African, black Caribbean, you know, languishing at the bottom there, which is not great. Yeah. Um, when we come to incarceration rates, when it comes to sentencing, very disproportionate. There's inequalities in almost every negative kind of statistic we can look at. Yeah. And if we're looking at racially, we yeah. can find inequalities there. <laughs> and I'm like, that's that's not fair. Like, yeah. we, we gotta do something about that. about that. Yeah. Um it makes total sense like your podcast, um like this is what you're doing now. It makes a lot of sense. When you look at, you know, what we've discussed, you applying for seven hundred applications, you um, you know, having a fashion business which with an ethical focus um you doing all these different things i mean and reading all these books it just makes perfect sense because you want to make an impact you want to touch a lot of people maybe you want to make some money as well and you also want to be able to um you know leave people inspired and i've i guess it makes sense it all led to this this very moment and that could be i couldn't be proud of you brother couldn't yeah. be couldn't be proud of oh thank Absolutely you amazing. thank you do you think there'll be a thousand voices usa one day or a thousand voices uh do you think do you think do you think some do you think one day maybe you might expand this concept to different countries and i remember because the london real for example um that tv show i mean i don't know whether i should endorse it or not i i, I mean that's that's up for debate but um there are some controversial matters discussed in that um show that youtube show but um I know of the the guy that started London Real. They, I think, someone reached out to him and they wanted to start. I think America Real, mm. LA Real, whatever. You know, just mm. taking that same concept but replicating it around different parts of the world. Do you think that's something that could happen? Perhaps, perhaps. I, I don't know. To be honest, right now my focus is very much on UK experience. I think we've got a lot of work to do here. Okay, and uh, it's what I most directly relate to. So I'm not shutting the door to anything uh, internationally. I'm just not on the radar right now. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely in the future, I would like to do some stuff in uh, Africa, um, perhaps Ghana, probably yeah. more so Ghana, because you know, yeah. heritage. Yeah. Um, we're just in the sub-Saharan African continent, a yeah. million percent, I think. Yeah. Whether that's going to be under 1,000 Voices Umbrella or something different, um, for sure. That's know. a great idea. I think you can definitely turn it into a book one day. And also, I mean, you did mention, I know in, in the conversation we've had outside of this, that you want to set up an entrepreneurship school in Africa. So who knows, it could be a thousand voices, Africa, you know what I mean? Because there is a um, TV show on CNN called African Voices. Um, so maybe you could mm. do something there. I, I feel like there's a lot of potential that, that you could do around this concept around the world in different countries, different continents. And I'm excited for your future. Oh, Speaking you. of which, what's, what, what's in the pipeline? Oh, the pipeline. Okay, so we've got uh, season two coming up mm -hmm. quite soon. So that's launching. It might be launched by the time this comes out. Actually. So season two is coming out. Yeah. Um, we've 1,000 Voices. So when we originally conceived it, it was a podcast interviewing 1,000 inspirational Black Britons. But we want to scale it now. And so it becomes more than just a podcast. So, um, okay, so in short, what we're trying to do is now is we want to evolve it to turn it into a digital archive. Um, Beautiful was archiving black british history or black british voices yeah. for generations to come Maybe. and again i can draw upon i'll talk uh, a personal experience so my grandfather mm -hmm. uh, on my mum's side yeah he passed away when i was very very young i was a child yeah I, i've never met him i didn't i've never spoken to him i didn't know him mm -hmm. um 
and in his time in Ghana, he was quite, um, you know, he was well, he was the foreign affairs minister mm-hmm. essentially in Ghana. So he used to travel around a lot. I look at pictures of him with some major world leaders and that, yeah, um, with, um, and doing his thing and all of that. And then there's been times in my life where I felt a bit, you know, you feel a bit lost and you feel like you need some direction. I've always, I always said to my wife, I'm like, oh, if he was around, this guy, he's, he's, he's done his thing, man. Like, I would just pick up the phone yeah. and chat to him and he would give me, and I feel like, you know, I'd I'd love to have been able to talk to him. Yeah. Um. But then, you know, unfortunately, that's not possible. Yeah. Um. And then I thought to myself, you know, with a lot in, on the black British side of things, a lot of black British history has been lost over the years because of colonization and whatnot. So a lot of that history has been eroded over time. Mm-hmm. So the idea now is for us to build this out, to build an archive. Mm-hmm. We still have the podcast. The podcast mm-hmm. is like one facet of the archive. We're archiving those voices yeah. so that people can hear those stories, yeah. generations to come. So that we interview, let's say you mentioned William Adwasi. His great-grandchildren could go into the website with Thousand Voices typing William Adwasi and hear his voice in his own story, telling his, telling you know, talking about his journey and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So to build an archive where we've got those podcast voices, we've got some other community voices so that people maybe like yourself or whoever can log on and upload your own story mm. um, maybe we'll have some professional contributors as well sounds some great photographers or whatever and if we just add into this archive building 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 yeah. so that other people like myself who i can't necessarily hear my grandfather's voice right now mm-hmm. but then my my offspring my great grandkids etc etc they can my voice will always be there for them mm. to listen to and yeah. it will just be there. It's like our history told in our own voice. It's not being told by somebody else. Yeah. It's us telling our own story and we're all contributing, adding um, to this archive. Very uh, powerful. So. Storytelling is huge these days. I mean, I mean, whether it's in a Netflix film or whether it's in a podcast or in a book or in documentation, storytelling is so, so powerful. Um, it reminds me of the um, interview I did with Kirsty Kwating from the Nana Project. She's doing something similar, but more documenting, um, you know, um, ancestors, like African ancestors, Ghanaian ancestors, this in terms of like the lives that they've done through you know in stories that they've back in that they've told pictures etc like an archive she's got like a library archive for that like on the website and stuff mm. but very similar um project that, that she's been working on so i'll put everything in the show notes from what you've shared and i'll put i'll put this in the show notes as well nice um but yeah tevin i've really enjoyed this conversation um just before we wrap up um if I mentioned um, the sound of a crowd to you, what thoughts, vibes, feelings come to mind on top of your head? Oh, okay. I think what comes to mind is the the bridging the gap between London and Ghana, or okay. London and Accra, bridging yeah. that gap. Um, for people like myself, the diaspora, who are here, who might not be as connected back mm-hmm. home as we'd like to be, um, what comes to mind is yeah, connectivity. Um, connecting us bridging that gap yeah um and yeah yeah i guess that's what comes to mind great and where can everyone find you and and find more about thousand voices uk so uh we're on most major social media platforms mm-hmm. instagram and uh, we're on tiktok which is doing quite well but mm. you can find us <laughs> at 1000 voices uk um pretty much most major um, okay. major platforms. Website is www.1000voicesuk.com. Mm-hmm. That's 1000 with a nu- the number 1000 and voicesuk.com. Okay. Um, so you can find us there. Um, I, I'm on most, I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, etc. at Tevin Kitto as well. So you can find me there. Absolutely. So we'll have everything in the show notes, guys, um, where you can find more about Tevin Kitto and his Thousand Voices projects. Very amazing project. So um, it's something that you want to follow. Um, just before I end, I want to show you this picture. 
want to show you this screenshot here. Um, so of course, we started off showing you a picture and screenshot of your journey where um, you were applying for 700 plus applications and you were doing the internship. But now this is where you are today. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing <laughs> yeah. today. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, I won't read it out because I want to wrap this up, but I will leave a link to this uh, um, this LinkedIn post that, that we're looking at right now. But quickly just tell people what this is about. Yeah, so there was an event uh, a few months ago, the Black Investor 360 event. Yeah. Uh, so I was there representing Bloomberg essentially. Well, that's, yeah, that's how I work. So I was there, yeah. everyone was talking. I can't even remember what the discussion was about. Yeah. But basically there was a, a Bloomberg panel Mm. there and then someone at uh, one of my colleagues asked me do i want to go to the panel up because i wasn't really on it and then i thought to myself hmm i can talk about a thousand voices okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right Luke. Nice. I, I was like yeah okay i'll go on <laughs> I, I, yeah i went on spoke spoke um i spoke about a thousand voices because again this is uh I, i'm trying to as shameless as shameless as it sounds i'm trying to use any avenue i can to because I really believe in what we're doing yeah. um, and the mission behind it. You should. I'm trying to use any avenue we can to amplify those positive voices to get those messages out yeah. because we got, we got to change these perceptions. It we takes got, more than the village. Yeah, for real. Yeah. For real. So, um, yeah, I was, I was just on, on a panel talking about, I think, oh, that was it. The panel was about wealth, um, generational wealth, actually, funny enough. So, yeah. we were talking about generational wealth and then talking about the importance of it. You were talking about wealth gaps, etc. Mm -hmm. And then spoke about within 1,000 voices. But, yeah, man, check out the LinkedIn post and um, we'll do. hit me up if you want to talk some more. Absolutely, yeah. we'll do. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, so again, we'll have everything in, in, the, in the show notes. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the future of Thousand Voices and continuing to listen to the podcast. And uh, yeah, that's it, guys. Thank you so much. Um, we will catch you on the next episode of the Sound of Craft podcast. Please stay tuned in season four. Great more. We've got a lot more um, guests to come. So thank you so much. Cheers. All right, cheers. Bye-bye.